if you give up the first time something goes wrong, you won't get anywhere. Welcome to my podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shuba, and I will be your host for today's episode. Interested in hearing about love, life, travel, and career? I will be exploring all those topics and more. If you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, exciting, and of course, spicy, hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it. This is Keep It Spicy. Today's guest is Farah Turcott. Farah is the founder and creator of the Budget Bitch podcast, where she guides millennial women into building debt-free money confidence and without feeling restricted. Through her podcast, Farah cuts through the financial jargon, works to bridge the gender pay and investing gaps, dives deep into the essentials of living a life you love within your means. So let's jump into it. So thank you so much, Farah. again. Um, it's lovely to meet you after all these months of just chatting with you via the DMs. Also, by the way, I know you have like your 12-week like money challenge. I'm doing it. I'm in week number yes. three. So I'm a huge fan and I'm super glad and honored that you are here on my podcast today on Keep It Spicy. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Shuba. I am honestly super honored to be here and uh I, this is my first time ever being on someone else's podcast. So it's, it's kind of nice to have the tables turn a little bit. And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be here and, uh, and chat with you today. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm going to start by asking you something that I ask all my guests, and that's to just basically tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, like what you've been up to, like basically what's the spice to your life? Yeah. Um, well, I am a budget coach uh, on Instagram. So how that all started was I was back in the day, probably like four, three or four years ago and onwards, I was like, I would what I would call a fake rich girl and I did everything for the gram and I spent a lot of money that I didn't have um I had a lot of emotional issues going on internally a lot of insecurities as I'm sure many of your listeners out there might experience as well and I didn't really deal with that stuff that was going on inside instead I turned to going shopping or spending my money um to kind of make myself feel better short term. And I ended up getting myself into like $15,000 of credit card debt, uh, which at the time I was working part time while I was in university too. So when I graduated, I was just so broke and just so lost. And I had no idea where I was going or what to do. And uh, I was like, at some point, enough is enough. I need to figure my shit out. Like I was basically sick and tired of my own shit and like listening to myself make excuses and the lack of growth, I guess I was getting really frustrated with. I just was like, okay, I'm going to do some reading and see where this goes. So I headed down huge rabbit hole of Google, YouTube, Reddit, all kinds of different books uh, around personal finance. And yeah, I managed to get myself out of debt uh, build up my net worth. I was able to buy a home with my partner um, just this past year, which was really exciting. And now I'm I work uh, in corporate. It's my nine to five where I work in marketing. Within the last uh, three or four years, I've definitely had quite a big transition in in my life, and it's really become my mission to to share that with other millennial women out there because I mean for me growing up um, you know my mom's a, an immigrant from Vietnam none of her education was transferable here to Canada and my dad passed away when um, I was two years old and and he was the breadwinner of my family so my mom had to quickly jump into the workforce with really no experience or education to back up her her resume. Um, so she worked hard for a really long time. At one point, she worked, you know, seven days a week at minimum wage to, to get by, to put food on our table. And because of that, she didn't have the financial literacy to teach me about, you know, different types of savings accounts, investing and whatnot. It was just all I heard growing up was just save your money, which to me doesn't really, it's very general. So 
what I just want to do is take the information that I've learned and put it into words that just regular normal people can understand because a lot of what you hear on social media on from finance bros if you will is is all in terminology that we don't or I didn't understand so yeah just getting it back to just simpler terms and then just sharing it with other women because I think it's so important money whether we like it or not is such a important aspect of our life. It literally revolves around every single thing we do. And I think also just sharing, changing the narrative behind the mentality and emotions and mindset we have around money is something I'm really passionate about. And yeah, and, and ever since uh, I started Budget Bitch actually a few years ago, but I never showed my face and uh, I was really actually quite embarrassed. I didn't want anyone knowing that I had been broke before. <laughs> but now I'm seeing and hearing a lot of other people's stories and how they related to me. And now I'm like, you know what, this is the kind of stuff that people need to know that they're not alone in. So yeah, that's kind of why I do what I do. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. This is this is lovely spice. This is very tasteful, <laughs> holistic character development spice. I love yeah. this. And congratulations also on like getting your your place also with your partner. Like that's awesome. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. I, this mission is amazing and that's also one of the reasons I follow you for exactly the same reasons. Um just a little context to everybody like before I reached out to Farah for my podcast, like I actually was listening to Farah's podcast because I was like, okay, I literally don't know anything about money. I don't know what an investment account is. I don't know what ETFs are. Like here we are. I'm still such a huge fan. I 100% resonate with your story and that's also why I look to you. So thank you for sharing that lovely story with of us. Of course. Yes. <laughs> and as you mentioned, you have your podcast The Budget Bitch, which like I've given everybody a little intro to, but is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you and this is something that we could have not necessarily searched up from the internet or heard from your podcast? Um, you know, what's interesting is I would actually consider myself an introverted person. I feel like on social media or on my podcast or chatting with you today, I don't know, I always feel a little bit more comfortable sharing and opening up. But in like, you know, quote, real life, I am a little bit more reserved and a little bit more shy. Like I would say, especially within, you know, my nine to fives, I tend to be a little bit more, um, yeah, introverted. But I guess because on the internet, if you will, um, I just have this feeling of being more open and being more free. And I feel like my friends too, they always say to me like, you're not an introvert, you're not shy, but I guess I'm selectively quite an introverted person. Fun fact, kids. Yeah. <laughs> also like as a fellow podcaster, I wanted to like use this interview or like this discussion to talk about finances, money, of course, budgeting, tips and tricks and all of that. Um, and your journey in personal finance with a little bit more. But before we head into the lightning round, um, I posted a question box on my story a couple of weeks ago asking my followers what they would ask a money coach. And I told them, don't worry, I'm not going to say names. So it's all anonymous. I'm asking, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> so we're going to just do that before we jump into the lightning round. So that'll be later on in the interview. Yeah, moving on, just for context, like I know that you mentioned your story about how you were like a, a fake rich person on Instagram. And mm -hmm. I completely agree with you that, yes, we weren't taught how to like manage money in school. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I feel like we realize like too late in the game, not that it's like ever too late, but you know, when we have, when we're working with compounding interests, like too late can still be a little late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like people are really able to draw inspiration the most or find motivation or not feel like, oh, I'm too late when we hear stories of other like people in real life and we hear how they were in the same situation as us if not worse and they somehow like figured it out and they turned around their situation to like live their best life so to speak where I'm getting at is I wanted to read out a post that you made on your Instagram before I get to my question I'm just going to read it out for our followers because I thought it was like so inspiring so in your post it's like a picture of you with your degree and you're uh, like yes. <laughs> yeah you're like I graduated from Canada's top psychology program um, at one of Canada's top three universities etc and then you're like behind this proud excited smile is a girl who's drowning and you list out a bunch of things that you're drowning in from like debt to like depression and anxiety and then as you keep reading this caption it says Fast forward 2020, 
I'm debt free. I have built a five figure net worth. I have five income streams. I regularly invest my money in ETFs. I also lost 40 pounds by restructuring my emotional coping strategies to include exercise, diet, et cetera. First of all, congratulations on achieving all of that. That is amazing. But my question here is, could you walk me through this real life story of Mm -hmm. how you were in a situation where you felt like you were sinking and drowning and were able to turn it around? Like, I feel like this is the type of story that someone who is drowning in debt or like facing, you know, similar symptoms of, of, of life being too overwhelming would love to hear. And because it's like a true real life story, you guys are hearing it here first, (laughs) not first, but you guys are hearing it live from Farah. Could you just walk me through that? Yeah, certainly when, um, especially within my last year of university, um, that was like one of the toughest I had experienced. Um, yeah, I had been in my final semester of school. I had been in a car accident, um, that kind of, uh, injured my back, um, in a way today that I still feel. And um, I actually didn't go to school for a whole month. So a semester is like four months, right? And I didn't go for a month. So that's quite a significant amount of work missed. Um, and I just was feeling so anxious and, and depressed, like going to school and knowing that I was under so much debt. Um, but my solution at the time was just to keep going out and spending because that's what made me feel better temporarily. But it was just a vicious cycle because it it didn't do anything to serve me or help me move forward. And then I would end up just feeling guilty and ashamed after for, for having done that. Um, and, and especially also at my very first corporate job, I was so miserable. If I wanted to go on my lunch break, it would be like, 1203 I'll be back at 103 on the dot and I would spend like my lunch break alone in my car crying <laughs> or like in a meeting room that was dark and just like I was just so miserable there like on top of you know all my debt that I was constantly thinking about it would be something honestly that it would be the first thing I thought about when I woke up and the last thing that I would think about going to sleep also I I spent a lot of money that I didn't have on traveling And I don't regret those experiences necessarily because I got to see um, different parts of the world and experience some different cultures. And um, it was really, really cool. But looking back now and and having the, you know, 2020 vision of hindsight, I really recognize that because I was, you know, doing that so often, it really was not about me so much traveling as great as that was, I was really running away from my life here and what I was experiencing here. Cause like for a few weeks or a few days, I could escape and not think about those things. But then, you know, all that spending on a credit card when I was traveling, I would have to deal with the consequences when I got back anyway. So I felt like I was kind of traveling for the wrong reasons. I eventually really got, like I said, sick and tired of my own shit. And just, am I allowed to swear on here? <laughs> Feel free. It's a free okay. space for you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I got really tired of listening to my own narrative. And I really made, I really had this victim mentality of myself. I felt like, you know, I had all of these obstacles thrown at me that I just couldn't seem to get over. And I, I felt really just like just so much despair. My degree was in psychology. I was like, what the hell am I going to do with that? I ended up quitting my nine to five. I was just do- doing um, like serving and bartending at the time. I applied to do my bachelor of education, like a, a second degree to become a teacher. I didn't get in. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, maybe this is a sign that I just need to pivot my thinking a little bit, I discovered like just by Googling some questions, the first thing I did, by the way, to get out of debt was I just wrote down all the debt that I owed and just added up. I was like, okay, this is what I'm working with now. Oh, this is what I got to deal with. I started doing tons of Googling. Um, I, and I discovered, uh, this Reddit forum that literally changed my life. It's personal finance Canada. I started reading on that forum, all these threads about people who were paying off debt who were in this in similar situations as me, who were struggling with debt and, and didn't know where to begin. People who also inspired me, who posted their stories, um, saying how they had paid off debt and where they are now and the lessons they've learned and people who are homeowners, which is something that I really wanted 
Um, and it really inspired me because I think at that point prior, I, uh, I always felt really alone and I was really embarrassed to talk about my debt with anyone, including my family, including my closest friends. I went through it really alone and it doesn't need to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. And I started to recognize, yeah, I'm not alone in this. And now I know, obviously now being a money coach and doing all the research, I've been able to really learn that like 80% of people are like in some sort of debt. So it's a really common thing. But when you go through it and you feel so ashamed, like I did, it, it feels really alone. And so finding that forum and I started to realize, you know, I'm onto something here. And reading other people's stories really changed how I felt and looked at my debt and my money. And that kind of propelled me and encouraged me to continue reading, continue researching. And once I started to see my debt come down slowly but surely and started to change up my habits and and really also looked internally, like, what do I really value? Buying a new designer bag is nice, but it didn't serve me and it didn't mean it didn't help me get to where I wanted to be. And so really doing a lot of self-reflection and getting uncomfortable with looking into myself and being like, okay, you're not really doing the things that are going to help you move forward and to get out of debt. I encourage everyone listening to to do some reading about this topic. And, and like I, I managed to get out of it because I found stories and people that I could relate to which really encouraged me to keep going. So yeah, honestly, not feeling alone is, is huge. And the change in your mindset is, is really what helped me um, to grow personally. Oh, I love that. And like, just one more question about that. It's like, you know how like when you're reading on Reddit or wherever, you're reading books about how ideally you should be doing so-and-so and so if you want to get to so-and-so and so. So like, right. I'm in this place where like, I'm an immigrant. So I'm here like without my family and I'm trying to build a life for myself. And with the help of the Budget Bitch podcast, I feel like I've come a long way. But <laughs> I still run into these moments when I'm reading books where I'm like, oh man, like like I'm still not where I want to be. So how mm-hmm. do you, I feel like you must have also had that that mentality or I'm pretty sure like even now, like I, I know that we'll never truly be satisfied. Like the yeah. more money we make or the more money we have, we always want more. But mm-hmm. how do you like cope with that feeling of like, I, I'm still not at like this destination or I'm still right. not at like, uh, it would just be a bit better or like I'd be a little happier if I made just like a little bit more or I had a little mm-hmm. bit more in my bank account. Like how do you cope with those feelings? Yeah. I mean, especially reading, um, it can go the other way, right? When you see other people who you think are more successful than you um, or who have more money than you, it really can cause you to kind of go through that social comparison. And you're like, damn, like, why am I not there? What are they doing that I'm not? And, And the thing is, I have to always remind myself that, you know, what you see on social media is not real per se. Like, not everything you see is real. Not everyone posting how happy and rich they are, like that's the case. So I always have to remind myself of that to be very mindful about what I'm taking in from someone's like series of, you know, best photos in their life because people are not often posting the shitty things or the stuff that makes them unhappy or uncomfortable. So keeping that in mind for sure. I, for the longest time was like, oh my God, gratitude every day. Like, ugh. but like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> I'm grateful. <laughs> but the thing is, I actually recently started, um, yeah, writing down just three sentences of what I'm grateful for every day. And even going into it and being in the crappiest mood, I will feel at least a little better about where I'm at. See, the thing is, I feel like with human beings, we are so black or white in terms of decisions or how we feel and really we are on this like spectrum and in this like gray area because like I can be grateful for where I'm at now but still like want more for myself or still want growth and that's totally fine and that's what like what you should go for like I think staying stagnant and and you know if you're especially if you're unhappy that's like a dangerous place to be in and the best growth and the best learning happens beyond the mistakes and beyond the fear and all of that so you need to go through those things in order to reach the type of person that you want to be and and that being said like I think when you look back at your life and, and the experiences that you've had I always say your story is your power everyone is so different we're so we're all like 
different individuals. Like what I sometimes do is I, there's a, a building, a condo building right across from mine. And sometimes I'll look in there, like just like sometimes being a little creepy. But what's interesting to me is each person in each of those condos all are different. They all have different lives, but yet they're all living within this one building. And that's kind of like people on earth too. And, and so you really got to put it into perspective. And like I said, just really focus on what you do have as opposed to what you don't. That's going to be a huge game changer for, for you in terms of, of dealing with, you know, why you're not somewhere else or why um, you're not, you know, where you want to be. But the thing is, like, sometimes you might be like, I'll, I'll be happy when I have $10,000 or I'll be happy when whatever. So when we're always looking for the next thing to make us happy, we don't look at, you know, what the present. And that's, and that's an unfortunate thing because like, this is a moment right now, the present, like, for example, me talking with you, this is happening right now. And once this call is over, it's over. Right. And if you don't really enjoy yourself in the moment as well, and the process and the journey, like you're missing out on potentially a lot of cool insight and experiences and learning lessons that you you might miss if you just are always thinking about only you know where you are not at. Dang, I think my soul just got a little elevated from this, <laughs> you know from this little pep talk. <laughs> and I think that's like beautifully said. Like all like practicing gratitude, mm-hmm. I stand by it as well because yeah, like it's so easy. Like I got um, laid off last year in 2020 and I got laid off before the pandemic. So it wasn't even like the pandemic laid me off. It was something that happened before that. So, and I agree with you, the, the, it's hard to cope with things when you are feeling like you're in a rut or something or when you're unhappy, but 100% like finding gratitude is how you see that little bit of sunshine Mm -hmm. in your cloudy day, 100%. And that being said, you know, I, I think that if you do experience, emotions of like feeling really shitty and feeling insecure or feeling um, unhappy with where you are like that's okay like I go through it you go through it everybody goes through that and it's it's important to not also neglect those feelings or to bury them because that's how you kind of will end up doing habits to temporarily make you feel better like overspend or whatever it is Um, but when you let yourself stay there too long that's when it becomes like a vicious cycle. Yeah. You want to keep trying to up your game, basically. Yeah. You don't want to, you want to get too comfortable. You want to keep evolving. Drawing off of what you said, where you mentioned that like 80% of people are have like some sort of like money problems. What do you think from the feedback of your followers or just like even your clients, what do you think is the most predominant problem we tend to have with managing our money that puts us in this, some sort of debt? Honestly, there's, I would say there's, it's twofold. Um, one is that people don't know their numbers or people are too afraid to look at their numbers. Like you need to know how much you're bringing in, how much you're spending, how much you're saving or investing for your goals and, and how much you owe if you have debt. And then there's also the other side of that is what's going on in your mind. And that's the thing because you like, you're with your thoughts all the time. And if your thoughts are constantly, oh my God, I'm so broke. Oh my God, I don't have enough money. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for that? Um, I'll never be able to pay off my debt. Or if that's what you're constantly thinking about, it's more likely you're going to have like a self-fulfilling prophecy and potentially because you think, for example, that you'll never pay off debt, you might not even try because you already think that you can't. So it's, it's really two, twofold in that sense. And so like one of the first things that I do with my clients is we figure out their numbers, right? Sometimes people don't even know how much they're spending or people don't know exactly how much debt they're in. And that was my problem too. I thought that maybe just writing down what I spent every day was enough, but I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really put the numbers together with my income versus my spending. There's that one side of money where it's really math. It matches your income or it fits within your income or it doesn't. That's where the other side of it is your mindset where um, you feel, you know, really hopeless. And um, I totally get that because like I've been there. I really, really have. But again, your mind is is such a crazy thing because I'm reading this book right now. It's called You Are um, a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. 
And she talks about how, you know, money is, it's literally paper, like a bill, right? It's a paper. It's not inherently good or bad. We give it the context of whether it's good or bad, depending on our situation. And also what goes on in our minds, like the constructs we have in our, in our heads, it really will affect our perception of money um, and, and how we feel about it. Because like, like I said, if you think it's always going to be bad, if you're always in this, you know, lack mindset, you potentially won't take the actions that you need to take in order to get yourself out of that. Um, so yeah, very interesting stuff, but I feel like the math itself and your, your thoughts and your mind and your energy are, have to be kind of in sync in order to, to, um, make some progress or to kind of attack your your money and actually take control of your money. Kind of like if you want to lose weight, you sh- you got to know where you are, what you're working with to begin with so that you can mm-hmm. you can track your progress. Not yeah. that the numbers on the scale or anything are good enough, but like basically like you you want to know where you are so that you know what you're working with moving yeah. forward. And just like, you know, maybe you are um, trying to get healthier, maybe you have a certain goal weight or whatever it is, it's, you know, it's about calories in versus calories out. And it seems very simple in that sense, but the actual execution is very hard because of your mindset and and the things that we tell ourselves. We rely on motivation to, to get shit done. And when we don't feel motivated, we don't do it. And it's important to like still keep going even when we don't feel that motivation which is a lot of times when people give up or quit or stop or revert back to the habits that didn't serve them very well oh my gosh so yeah that's like a perfect also segment to like my next question which is regarding budgets as like a means to keeping in track with your what the money you're receiving versus the money you're spending so Mm -hmm. I know that like budgets are super helpful like I have a budget myself I'm on my money challenge on my Farah's money challenge, which like hey. is putting, I got to factor that into like my money <laughs> out, even though like I'm saving it, it's still like going out of my paycheck. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Um, and the reason I'm asking is that like, or like I'm bringing it up is that, is that there still is a feeling of restrictiveness that can yes. kind of dampen your motivation to have a budget because you're like, now I'm like on this money diet, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I have to limit myself to like a certain spending amount or, you know, in that you're in that realm where you feel like I don't want to say trapped because that has such a negative connotation but I think like you get what I'm saying so how would you suggest one loses that feeling or at least like finds better ways of coping with that feeling of being restricted I tell my clients um, no matter how much debt they're in that it's important for them no matter how big or small it is to have a wants category or a wants budget like stuff that they like whether it's to spend on coffee, to spend on, I don't know, Amazon, whatever the hell you want to spend it on, but to have a wants budget, because if you don't have that, it's very, very likely that you are going to buy something you want. (laughs) That's like not part of your budget or whatever. And then if you don't have a wants category, and then you end up spending on whatever you spent the money on that wasn't a part of your budget, it's going to cause you to feel really guilty and feel really ashamed. And and then you're going to be like, oh my God, this budget is so restrictive. I can't keep this up. And then you give up. And that's, you know, that's really unfortunate because you need to keep going, especially if you are in a little bit more debt or you have a bigger savings goal or whatever, like you need to, it's consistency is the key. And in order to be consistent, you need to have a budget that is something you can stick to. Like it's the same thing with, say you want to eat healthier. If you have, if you want to like lose a few pounds, if your diet is so restrictive that you literally are hungry all the time and you can never go out to eat with your friends or never order takeout, or you can never have carbs ever again. Like personally for me, that's too restrictive and it's more likely that I'll quit And it's more likely that I'll quit before I see results. And because I quit before I saw results, it's more likely that I'm going to associate that method as being negative and I won't try it again. So a budget that is too restrictive is going to kill (laughs) you. And also, you know, thinking about what it is you're really 
you want? What, why are you making this budget? What are your goals? Is it to, and then these are examples, everyone's goals are going to be different, but you know, is it to one day buy a home? Maybe you want to have a family. Maybe you want to have kids. You want them to have their own room or something. Maybe you want to save up because you want to go back to school to study something that you really love. Maybe you want to um, start a business of some kind and you need some cash to do that. Maybe you want to start saving for retirement and you don't have any money saved right now for retirement. Whatever it is, whatever your goal is, like you really need to ask yourself, why? Why do I want to get out of debt? What is it that I truly desire um, on a financial and just in general? Like, what do I really want? What do I really enjoy? Like, if money was not a factor, if, you know, all the constraints of everyday life were not a thing, what do I really desire in my life? And, and what are the things that truly make me happy? So if you think about it that way, and then you kind of work backwards towards um, breaking down your goals into smaller chunks um, and, and, and go from there. Like I really wanted to pay off debt, for example, because I really wanted to be able to to first of all, like travel and not put it on a credit card and then dig myself deeper in debt. I wanted to be able to buy a home. I wanted to be able to to learn how to spend without feeling guilty. And, and my budget, having that once budget really did that for me. And so I always encourage people to never cut out spending like on, I don't know, whatever it is you want to spend money on, but something outside of your, like, like whether it's your home payment, utilities, the boring stuff, um, something outside that really makes you, you happy. And it's going to be different for everyone, but if it's too restrictive, you won't do it like bottom line. So you got to make sure it works for you. Gotcha. Like Simon Sinek says also figure out your why and then, yes, also having a little bit of compassion to treat yourself every mm-hmm. now and then. And that being said, I'm not telling people to go out and buy like a $1,000 pair of shoes every month. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that, you know, I understand, especially if you are cutting back your spending, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a transition, um, but also not being so drastic overnight like going cold turkey, if you have never saved a dime in your life and then you go to try to save like 50% of your income, that's going to be really hard for anyone. (laughs) So it's like slow, consistent changes are going to be the way that you make like a lifestyle change if that's what you really want instead of trying to make changes overnight. We always want instant gratification, but it's you know, and, and I get it. Like, I really do. We want that instant gratification. We want to know right away that we're on the right track, but it takes time. That's why you need a why, because if you don't have a why, it's going to be harder to stick to over a longer period of time. Also, this is something that you have, I'm reading this quote unquote from your Spotify bio for your, for budget bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about how you're trying to help people live a life you love within your means. And Mm -hmm. I love how you specified that though it's limited to living within our means, it's still going to be a life we love. So could you provide me with a bit more insight on what you meant by that? Yeah. So living within your means just means, you know, not spending more than you make. So if you want to spend more, then you're going to have to figure out a way to make more. Or if you want to spend more, you'll have to figure out a way to spend less in other aspects of your life. Um, But like I said, having that wants budget was a huge part of living a life I love within my means. Like I want people out there, if they want to be able to spend money on like plants, on books, on, on clothes, on shoes, on experiences, things that make them happy. Um, but if you, you know, we only have a certain amount of money coming in every month. And that's the number that you get to work with. I think a huge misconception about budgeting is that you need to stick to your categories like blatantly, like there's no um, going around it. But the thing is, if you're under in one category, you can move that money to another. If you're over, then you can move from another one. Like it's, it's really quite fluid in that sense. And like for me, I like to spend my money on books. I like to travel. Um, well, when we're like able to travel, <laughs> Um, I love going camping and like for road trips. Um, I love sometimes going out with my friends, going out to eat, going out for coffee. And 
that's because, you know, I really love to spend time with the people I love. And that's something that I really enjoy. And that's something that I really value. And that's why it's really important to, to do some self-reflection and really think about the things that you value. Because if you are making um, room within your budget for those things that you value, you're going to love your life. Not all the time. Like I like, it's never going to be perfect. And I think we need to throw this idea of perfectionism like out the fucking window because it's not real. (laughs) It's not a thing. And we are so obsessed with perfectionism that we give up when we aren't perfect or because we're scared of not being perfect, we don't even try, which was definitely my case. I overspend too. It's not like because I'm a budget coach, I never go over budget. Like um, it happens. And it's just learning about to, to self-talk with yourself. And often there's so many negotiations going on in our own minds with ourselves. Like you, you really just have to be able to pinpoint what it is that you value and if you do have to make some cutbacks like maybe cut back the stuff that doesn't serve you anymore or find ways to to really like manifest a little bit more money if you can and think about what you what you really want to do if there's some if there's a skill or some sort of service that you enjoy or have or can think of like that's a way you could bring in some extra cash sell your shit if you want to make some extra cash they're really can be so many ways you can you can enjoy your life while not going into more credit card debt um, and and still be happy like it's possible and I think when you live your life your most authentically that's when we're we're the most happy and um, when we live our lives for other people or for Instagram or to show off I mean yeah it might be nice like for a little while getting all your likes and comments and whatnot on what you're sharing but at the end of the day you go to bed alone even if you're sleeping with someone else in your bed you go to bed by yourself and you have to be happy with yourself and your thoughts and what you're doing because if you're not, it's going to just eat you up inside, no matter what budget you're on or or how much money you have to spend. So, yeah. Love it. Trial and error, all Trial while working error. within our means. A thousand percent. It's, it's not going to be like, I'm going to try one budget method and it's going to be great and that's it. Like I tried like three or four different ways to, to deal with my money before I really found what worked for me. So you like... If you give up the first time something goes wrong, you won't get anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Words of truth. Like, I agree with that. (laughs) And I was just saying this to, I was just telling this to a friend recently who was wondering whether they should pursue a certain thing. And I was like, well, if you, if you don't really give it a shot and you kind of just stop, it's like, you're not going to find your style if you stop trying on clothes that fit your body, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. How are you going to figure that out if you just stop? just trying things on. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. Agreed. Um, and then you also like earlier as we both, as I mentioned, like you have five streams of income. First of all, like how do you have time for five? Like kudos to you for mm-hmm. that. Secondly, like what advice do you have to give to people who also want to build side hustles? How do they figure out, you know, what kind of side hustle is for them or how, or sustainable for them, I guess, like something that yeah. they can still continue to do? I'll share personally what I, um, one of my side hustles was being a wedding coordinator, like a day of wedding coordinator, wedding coordinator. Oh my God, tongue tie there. Um, So I love weddings. I love watching wedding videos on YouTube. Like I am so obsessed. I don't know why. It's just how I've always been. Um, And I noticed that about myself. So this is a really important part of finding out, you know, what makes you tick? What do you really enjoy? And is it monetizable? So I was like, hmm, I really like weddings and I really like going to weddings and I really like planning events, you know, when my birthday would come around or a friend's birthday would come around, planning the birthdays, super exciting for me. And I'm like, oh my God, people need planners or people need help on their wedding day. And so I was like, let me give this a shot. So I literally quickly made a logo in like five minutes on Canva and um, made a Facebook page um, and then posted in like local Vancouver, like Facebook groups, like wedding Facebook groups and just offered my service at a um, a little bit of a discount compared to more experienced uh, wedding coordinators because it was something very new to me. And I just wanted to try it out and see if anybody like 
would want to hire me. Um, and people did people, and you know, people are, are on all kinds of budgets. So the people who didn't want to spend a ton of money on a coordinator, like gave me the opportunity and they would leave me, you know, positive reviews and then share um, their experience with a friend who would then book me as well. So this is, again, trial and error here. Like, I didn't know if it would work or not. Like, I didn't know if um, anyone would pay for this. And people did. So you think about what do you like to do? Like, if you're someone that you maybe you know how to play piano, like I wish I knew how to play piano, but I don't. Maybe you're someone who knows how to play piano. Is that something you could teach people? Maybe you could um, do like online piano teaching or something like that. Um, and maybe make YouTube videos playing the piano if it's something you enjoy doing or post about it. If you um, like to sew, you could make scrunchies, you could make masks right now, which are I have a couple friends who are who are doing that as their side hustle. Yeah, there's people who need masks right now. Um, just really thinking about, you know, what do you like to do? What is something you do a lot? What do you like to, what do you enjoy doing? I'll use also budget coaching as an example. I love, I love talking about money. <laughs> I could go on for days. Um, and I notice in myself that when I do, I kind of feel this like light. I feel passionate. I feel like I just can't shut the fuck up about it. And so I'm like, how can I monetize this? <laughs> also do some research. See if there's somebody out there doing what you think are thinking of doing and see if they're um they have a business or some kind of side hustle off of it and go from there like there are just so many different avenues to make money but we often constrict ourselves into this one way of thinking that it needs to be you know in a specific company or it needs to be a nine to five or it needs to be um like consistent income and you know your side hustles are a great way to explore you know what you really really love to do like in your spare time and and yeah it's trial and error like <laughs> it really is yeah well I I love that by the way that you love going to weddings you love yeah. that part <laughs> it's like a win-win you're paid to go to this wedding I love that oh man now this got me thinking like what what do I love doing I love eating <laughs> yeah. how can if I monetize if you if you like to um like draw if you like to do calligraphy maybe you could do calligraphy for events or um you could create like an ebook of, of drawings that people can color and sell it on Amazon. Ooh. Like there's different, there's, you just got to put it out there into the universe and see how it does. And if it doesn't do well, then you can go back and say, okay, how can I change this? Or maybe this isn't for me, or maybe I need to tweak my approach. But again, so many of us give up before we get to that point, or we don't try something because we're in analysis paralysis um, I learned that through um, Vanessa Lau. She's really, she's really, really awesome. I've learned so much from her. Um, but yeah, analysis paralysis, where we're constantly overthinking our decisions and and things to do that we don't actually do them, so we don't ever find out if they're successful or not. Oh, taking taking notes. <laughs> taking notes kids. <laughs> this is just like a podcast related question. So, like as a podcaster, yeah. I'm just like curious to know what you find the most enjoyable about being a content creator slash like podcast creator and what you find the most like annoying or cumbersome? I love honestly that on my platforms, I can just say whatever I want. <laughs> and it's like, you know, my place to, to truly be me, um, which I feel like I don't get as much in um, other aspects of my life. I can't go into work and be like, um, oh my, like, and just swear off the wazoo or like talk about money all the time. Or I can really talk about the things that I really, really care about and, and to the people that I really want to reach. And I just think it's so cool that like through budget bitch, I've been able to meet and chat with so many, so many different and cool people like yourself. And it's like, I've been a way for me to connect with others um, that I, I likely wouldn't have ever met or I wouldn't have ever spoken to. And um, I really love to share stories and hear people's stories. And it really, really just empowers me and warms my heart whenever I get a DM or someone reaches out to me and says like, um, I feel less alone after listening to you or I feel um, like I'm listening to a friend or like I feel like you 
opening up and sharing your, your debt struggles, it makes me feel like I'm a little bit less alone. And that's like, that's everything to me. That's really all I could ever ask for. Um, but as far as the most annoying part, um, about being a content creator, I would say the actual like editing of my podcast, um, I've run into like so many technical difficulties learning as I go, of course, but, uh, yeah, definitely the editing, editing part. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, (laughs) um, and also sometimes I, um, I've been trying to work on this, but like, sometimes I overthink the stuff I'm about to share, the stuff I'm about to post, because, you know, I'll always sometimes go back to, you know, worrying about what other people might think about the content I'm going to share or that they'll misconstrue it or I'll be judged for it. Or, um, you know, who knows who on the internet is reading my story or is looking at a photo of me, (laughs) but yeah, that's probably like a little bit more of a scary part and the editing is, is a little bit annoying. So that being said, all the good, it just trumps all of that stuff and it makes it worthwhile for me to continue. My sentiments are exactly the same. And like, I remember when I first dropped my first episode and this was back in the day when I started with my friend, after putting out that first episode, like I was like, kind of beating myself up because I was like oh my gosh I sounded so dumb here oh my gosh like I said I shouldn't have said that here yeah and so like I get what you're saying when you're like when you start overthinking what you're about to share or what you've already Mm -hmm. shared and I I still feel like that sometimes where like I've done an interview with someone and and I made like a comment which, which wasn't bad or anything but I'm just like okay that if I were to leave that in, that sounds really lame or like not insightful. So like, I get what you're saying, but yeah, it's a process. And we're so hard on ourselves. Like there have been mistakes or um, like I've misspoken in an episode or two and I pick up on that really quickly and I notice it right away. But people who are listening don't notice or don't hear that. Like I recorded the intro to my podcast, I think about like 15 times. which is, <laughs> And I... I wasn't happy with any of them. And at one point I was like, okay, I just need to fucking pick an intro because this is ridiculous. Like I haven't even recorded an episode yet. So like, yeah, we're so much harder on ourselves than um, we need to be, especially when we really should be our, our own greatest advocates because like who else is going to do it for us? Yeah. True words. All right. So we're going to jump into like some questions that um, my it. followers had for Farah. So <laughs> the first one is... Hi, anything about mortgages? I'm clueless. More okay, that's very um a little bit a little bit general, but it's all good. Okay. <laughs> so mortgages, there are a few things to keep in mind here. So when you do go into the process of buying a home, um, there are um like if you're buying a condo or a townhouse, for example, in Canada, you might have to, you'll be paying something called strata fees. So that's on top of your mortgage that you will be needing to pay every month. And what I would highly, highly recommend before you even sign the papers and, and that's it, <laughs> um, do a mock budget. See if you can afford it. Like if you do a mock budget and then it turns out you only have like after all your, all your utilities and your payments and whatnot, you only have like 50 bucks a month left over to save. Is that going to be realistic for you if you have other financial goals to meet? Maybe that means you need to look at a property that's a little bit less expensive. Um, or if, if you're okay with that, then maybe you need to figure out a way, you need to figure out what you'll do with that $50. And if there's anything else you could do to increase your income. Um, so, always do a mock budget before you get into a mortgage um, just so that you can have that peace of mind um, before you actually sign the paperwork and then figure it out after and realize like, oh shit, like I don't have a much money left over to save or invest. And, and that's when you become house poor, um, which is something that I personally really wanted to avoid doing. Um, I always recommend if you can to not buy at the maximum you were approved for. Um, If you can, I know it depends like different markets. It can be really hard, but if you can like try to avoid doing that because you still want to have the money left over to save because it's not just your home that you want. I'm sure like like people have other goals too. People want to save for retirement. People want to save for a car. People want to save maybe if they want, if they have children, they want to put money away for them or you might want to save for, I don't know, a wedding, whatever it is. Like there's going to be other scenarios or other things in your life traveling too, right? Like, 
like, I would never want to buy a home personally and then never be able to do anything that I enjoy again. Cause that would make me feel like I was trapped in my home. So mock budget with um, potential mortgage numbers. Also going to a broker is something that I would recommend a mortgage broker because they have the ability to kind of shop around to different lenders and institutions to see what the best interest rates are. Um, whereas like if you were just to go to one bank or um, they'll just give you their offer and they won't tell you that it's higher or lower than their competitors. So going to like just one person who can do all that for you is, is really convenient and will help you to get the best interest rate. So you're not like dying in, in interest. Um, and yeah, those are the, those are two really important things to keep in mind. And um, yeah, your mortgage, like he, like if you miss your mortgage payments, it's not like missing rent where you can kind of, you know, be a squatter for like six months. Like if you miss a mortgage payment or you miss a few mortgage payments, that will real that will ding your credit. And there's a potential, you know, if you miss a few, you'll you could lose your you lose your home, right? Like it's serious. And I I don't want to scare people. Um, but these are, you know, this is these are large quantities of money and you really have to keep that in mind when you are making these types of decisions. You don't want to go into it not doing the math ahead of time. Gotcha. And if I may ask like are these like strategies like is this like the insurance that you pay like aside from like your actual mortgage? Like, cause I know that yeah. like, if you put in like, say you put in from this book that I'm reading, if you put in a down payment, that's less than 20% of the total purchase price, then you have to pay this type of like insurance from the CMHC. Oh, Is yes, it that fees or? That's, that's actually a uh, separate. So that's, um, the, the strata fee is more so for your particular, um, building it goes towards like maintenance it goes oh, towards okay, okay, like gotcha. that building's fund uh, and also some strata fees will include things like hot water for example for your building yeah oh okay sorry okay so it's different from the cmhc yes, insurance it's like a, a maintenance fee like a okay gotcha yes okay second question i hate reading but what books do you suggest money related mm. okay the well first of all the one i'm reading right now is very good. I would recommend it. You are a badass at making money by Jen Sincero. I'll plug that shit again. (laughs) Um, I also really liked, um, smart women finish rich by David Buck. Um, that's a really good book to read for sure. Millionaire teacher is a really good book to read as well. It really talks about, um, how anyone can become a millionaire reading books like this. It really helps to kind of put things into perspective. You know, like we're so limited in our beliefs that, you know, we were like, oh, I'll never be, I'll never have money. I'll never be able to be a millionaire. But it's like, again, like I said, if you think that way, you'll never try and then you'll really never get there. So that the millionaire teacher book, who it's by Andrew Hallam. It's a really good read as well. Um, yeah, I tried reading also a book that so many people recommend is called um, The Intelligent Investor. Oh my God. I started that. I quit two pages in. It was so dense. (laughs) So dense. Yes. So that's by Benjamin Graham. And I think it's like one of the top books recommended by Warren Buffett. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. I have to read this now. And I was just like, Oh my God, I cannot get through this. Like this, I can't read this. Like it's just not it's so dry. And I'm like, Oh my God, I must be so fucking dumb. Like I cannot read this. But like when you actually find books that you can relate to and that are like interesting to you, not, I mean, there are people that love that book, like, and I'm, it has like a great, it's great information. It's just not put into words that I can digest. So yeah, I put that book down real fast. (laughs) Yeah. Three tips for investing. First of all, um, set aside a budget every month for investing, have like a consistent number that you put in every month. I always recommend to invest for the long term, at least five, 10, five, 10 years um, in the market. If you see a dip go in your investments, the worst thing to do is panic and then sell your money when it's at the lowest. A lot of people, um, especially back in March, when at the beginning of coronavirus in like, um, North America, like the markets started to really, really go down and sold at that bottom. And now they're like, well, fuck, because if they had held on to their money, 
it's like way up now. <laughs> so don't panic. And that's why it's important to, to invest long-term because long-term, it's more likely that your money will go up, uh, for lack of a better word. But if you panic and you sell and you're just trying to make a quick buck, like get rich quick, it's, it's more than likely you're going to lose the money. Like if you're, if you think that you can put in, invest money today and then take it out tomorrow at a huge return, like it's probably not for you. (laughs) Um, and I think also if you don't know anything about investing, but you just want to start, like I would recommend going to a robo advisor, um, in Canada, like one of my favorites is wealth simple. You literally give them your money and they take care of it for you. And um, you can like answer a questionnaire and um, they'll help you figure out like how tolerant you are of like risk and changes. But I think also really important to keep in mind, especially around like our millennial age group, you know, if you are putting this money in for the long term, you have a lot of time for your money to recover if a crash were to happen. So you can ride those waves and over time, like you'll have a lot of that money making it itself money and that money making money compound interest. So you have time for that money to grow like exponentially. So um, yeah, when you're young, I obviously everyone's different. I'm not a, I'm not a financial uh, advisor. I'm not here to tell people what they should invest in, but I think certainly um, the younger you are, the more time you have to, to recover from crashes and whatnot. And also if you don't know anything about stocks, like you can buy exchange traded funds that have, you know, it's like a little basket of little different companies instead of buying the one company, which if shit blows up, your money's gone. But if you have a basket and one little shit blew up, you have all your other little shits. <laughs> that makes sense. So it helps to, um, you know, mitigate the risk a little bit, especially if it's something new to you. Um, but yeah, I think, what people don't realize is also like putting money in your saving account in your TFSA alone, that is not investing. Okay. Um, it needs to actually be invested within the markets for you to, to really see that return. Um, and, and investing is really like the key on top of, you know, healthy spending habits on top of good saving on top of good budgeting. That is the key to building wealth and the key to building wealth that you can pass down to your kids or your grandkids, um, which is huge for me because I, I want that for myself and, and building wealth for generations to come. Investing, that's going to be the way. Invest, invest, invest. And not enough women invest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I was just going to start to just throw this in. Like, oh Farah God, has, no. like, an amazing episode on investing and also the difference between the investment accounts like the TFSA and RSP. So go check them out. She breaks yeah. it down super easy. You, what you heard right now about her analogy of an ETF, like, you hear a lot <laughs> more of that in the rest of her episode. So very easy. <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> Um, oh, this is another question. Can I still be financially secure on a minimum wage paying job? Yes. You just have to look at your expenditures. So I've had clients that um, they feel like they're in, they make a lower income and um, they feel like I never have enough money to, they feel like they never have enough to save with. And um, if you are on minimum wage, you do obviously, because you have a little less to work with, you have to be even more on top of your shit to make sure that you, you know, aren't going into credit card debt and whatnot. But sometimes the the biggest expenditures are the ways that you can cut back on. Like um, if you are making minimum wage, are you going to be living in like a penthouse? Probably not. Um, but that being said, don't let that stop you, right? Like I said, if you're making minimum wage, you need to be extra... Um, um, on top of your budget. So have a budget. If you don't have one, um, see if you can negotiate with any of your, like your cell phone provider, any of your utilities. Um, if you like, if you can cut back on housing, I think housing is a huge cost, um, especially, um, for everyone, probably like one of the top costs. 
Um, so if you are on minimum wage, like maybe do you, do you live at home? Do you have roommates? Do you find a way to cut back on that so that you can save more? And then potentially later on when you have more income and you are bringing home more money, then you can move on to, um, go on and have your own apartment or whatever it is. And, um, and especially when you are um, um, making minimum wage, I would recommend to make sure that you have an emergency fund um, to cover yourself. Like if you if you are in debt, like at least start off with a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars. Like just put some cash aside so that you have any type of cushion um, in the event that something happens. And yeah, like there's all, like so many so many other ways to make money. Like I mentioned, that you can potentially up your income. And, um, and go from there. And also like if you're making minimum wage, I mean, depending on what job this person's at, like if they haven't had like an annual review or a performance review, they, you can ask for a raise, but it's just hard. I know because it can be really uncomfortable, especially right now in a pandemic, um, to do that, but you can ask for a raise. It is completely in your in your power to do so picking up like other side hustles I did skip the dishes (laughs) I drove I'm not ashamed at all I did what I had to do I and it was fun because I could just like stop whenever I wanted like if I didn't feel like working anymore that day I'm just like I'm out swipe done um but yeah you it's it's okay you know and 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 it's not gonna be it doesn't have to be forever to to make minimum wage and um you just got to be extra mindful of where you're spending and really keep on top of, of your budget. Limits exist only in the mind. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. Um, and now we're going to jump into the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the lightning round. All right. So are you a morning person or a night owl? I am a night owl, but it depends. <laughs> um, I, I find that during, um, whenever I drink coffee, I'm definitely a night owl. Um, but I am a morning person when I have like something really exciting happening. Like if I'm going on a plane or something, I'll be like, yeah, I'll get up at four in the morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, but that's so adorable. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm definitely more of a night person. Like, I feel like I'm more productive um, in the evenings for sure. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you a hunter or a gatherer? Oh, I think I'm more of a hunter. I I like the satisfaction um, that I get from that. Yeah. <laughs> Best money advice you've ever received? Pay yourself first. Whenever I get paid, before I spend money on going out to eat or um, buying a book, buying a shoes, buying whatever, um, I put money towards my savings and my investments first um, so that whatever money I have left, that's what I have to spend. And worst money advice you've ever received? Just put it on your credit card. Like, <laughs> just do it. It's all good. You can just pay it. Just pay it later. Or um, all, uh, I would also hear like, just save your money. And yes, save your money. But that is so general and so vague that for me saying just save your money doesn't really mean anything to me. Like, yes, I, I mean, everyone out there knows they should be saving their money. People who are thousands of dollars in debt know they should be saving their money. But it's like, it's so general and it's so vague. It's like, okay, like that's kind of how, that's my reaction to it. Yeah. Favorite social media app. I love Instagram so much. Definitely. I feel like I know the answer to this, but saving or investing. If you don't have an emergency fund, saving is the way to go. But if you have three months of your expenses saved up, then hundred percent investing like all the way. <laughs> gym workouts or at-home workouts gym 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 for profit or not profit oh wow these are these are very hard <laughs> um it depends <laughs> but I'd say that you should treat yourself like a business would treat you or like a business treats themselves At the end of the day you're the one paying your bills you gotta do your what's best for you for profit. <laughs> With that being said, I certainly believe that when you do something you love and that you're passionate about and that like lights a fire under you, 
the money will come. And it doesn't mean that you um, have to know exactly how right now, but uh, it's okay. You can figure it out as you go. So, but I'm all about the money, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And whose podcast would you love to be a guest on next? Oh, let's, let's manifest it right here. Um, I really love listening to a couple podcasts, actually, um, Manifestation Babe. And I also really like Mindful Mostly um, with Andrea Collins. Um, I just think they're so awesome. And I, I would love to be on their podcast one day. It'd be so cool. <laughs> it has been manifested. It's uh, The podcast, the interview opportunity is already on its way towards you. It's making mm-hmm. its way towards you. The process has started. Well, I'm already on Keep It Spicy, so I have to think of another one, right? So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. And my final question, if you could describe yourself as a flavor, what would it be? I would describe myself as um, probably, you know, like a donut that has like bacon on it. <laughs> Ooh. It's like sweet and savory, um, which first of all, I love sweet and savory. And it's nice to have like um, a little bit of sweetness and friendliness and kindness but then also a little bit of oh hey like yeah oh my god a little bit of word (laughs) oh my gosh I love that we're gonna go with that a nice flavor (laughs) sweet donut with some bacon on it love that awesome (laughs) well thank you and now to wrap up this episode we wanted to send you folks all off with a quote and since you're the special guest Farah I would love for you to do the honors so it's a Tony Robbins quote and it's setting goals is the first step in turning the invisible into the visible and I, I totally resonate with this because if you don't have goals if you don't know where you're going, or if you don't have a desired end result, it's like you're like, what's the point of doing what you're doing if there's going to be no result or no desired end point or no like, or no goal that you're going for. Um, and, and that's going to be a huge part, especially when it comes to finance. Like if you set a goal, like I want to pay off my debt, like, okay, like when and how, and how much are you going to be putting towards it every month? But if you can answer those questions, that's going to help you get towards where you want to be um, without going around in circles and kind of swimming in the unknown. Totally love that quote. <laughs> Words of truth. And if our listeners are interested in learning even more about you, is there a way they can follow you or reach out to you? Give us, hit us with the plug. Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at Budget Bitch Podcast. You can also hop on over to my podcast. The link's in my bio on my Instagram as well. It's also called the Budget Bitch Podcast. Um, And I also offer um, one-on-one budget intensives, which are a 90-minute session that's like full analysis of your finances and a brand new budget for you, which I fully explain and go through. Or I also offer um, three-month three-month coaching and also six-week coaching where I work with you one-on-one um, to to reach your financial goals and to, to kind of help guide you um, and be aligned with your personal values. Um, but yeah, hop on over to my Instagram, DM me. I always love to chat and, and hear from you. So don't be afraid to reach out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Farah. This was a lot of fun, super yeah. insightful. And I know that like money, uh, so I've only done one other money episode on my podcast so far. And I know that mm-hmm. like money is a topic that is relevant to not even just millennial women. It's just like relevant to literally everybody. Everyone. So it's a very, yeah. yeah, it's a very popular topic. So I'm super honored that I got to interview you that for about regarding like money. Thank you for joining me and good luck to you and your endeavors. And I hope to hear more of these wonderful stories of how people are, or people through you or you yourself are able to like enjoy life while living within your means. Thank you so much, Shuba. This has been so fun. And uh, I'm so glad that the first podcast I got to be on was yours. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you folks enjoyed that. Join me next Sunday for another episode on Keep It Spicy. If you want to stay in the loop, follow me on Instagram at underscore Keep It Spicy and on Twitter at Keep It Spicy Pod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week. Like, comment, and share the content and podcast with friends and family. On that note, remember folks, Keep It Spicy, yours truly, XX.